Hear the word of God from Paul's letter to the churches in Galatia. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissension, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning again, church family. Hope you're doing well today. I hope you have had a great week. Thank you so much for giving me last week. Uh, it was unexpected for me not to be here last week. It was a last minute decision, but I got to go and be with my father last week. He was um, not doing very well health-wise, and my parents were, at the same time, my father wasn't doing health, well health-wise. My parents were at the same time process of selling their house and giving me all their stuff. So they were going, it was kind of crazy. So you guys gave me the opportunity to go last weekend to spend with them, so I appreciate that. And that's why I wasn't here this past Sunday. But we also had an incredible luncheon this past week to, um, celebrate Pastor Jim. And so those of you who are part of this luncheon, thank you so much for putting it together. Pastor Jim uh, wrote a letter of, he says, not farewell, but a letter of see you again later on the realm. So if you haven't had a chance to read that, I encourage you guys to read his letter of see you again on the realm. I don't know if you guys know this, most of you guys probably don't know this, but Pastor Jim was pastor here at, at Farrington Road Baptist Church, which later became Journey Church, which later became this church. He served here um, I think he last served here in 1994, or something along those lines. But he was a pastor here for about 20 years. Um, and then he retired and kept on attending this church, and he was instrumental in bringing this church together as we know it now. Pastor Jim was serving as Pastor Emeritus, and one of the things that he did for us in this role, and uh, not many of you guys know this, but he actually took the names of all the members of the church, every single member, and he divided it up into his prayer teams and somebody would be praying over your name every week. So he'd take your name, and you might not even know him, you might not have met Pastor Jim, but he was praying for you if you're a member of Waypoint Church. How cool is that, right? He would have this Waypoint Warriors, that's what he, he, he took over the prayer list, called it Waypoint Prayer Warriors, and he'd send out the prayer requests amongst the warriors. If there's ever a concern or prayer need, he would send it out amongst the warriors and they would enter into warfare, as you will, praying for you on their knees and before God for you. So I think it's just an incredible joy to be a part of a family that moves in such a way. One of the things I've always said, I truly believe this, is that one of the statements I just really hate, this belief that's out there in our culture today, is that you can't teach an old dog new tricks. 
And the older you become, the more set in your ways you are. You know, this is just the way I am. You know, the, you kind of become gruff. You're like, just, I'm not gonna change, I'm not gonna change. Can I tell you something? That's not in the Bible. In the Bible, instead what I see is sanctification. I see a process of the Spirit doing something in your life that he's gonna be faithful to complete it to its end. And I'm just gonna embarrass Lou a little bit, but I'm gonna use you as an example, Lou. Is that okay? I wasn't planning on it. But Lou, you're an example of God working so mightily in your life. So thank you for being that example. But Pastor Jim is another example of this. And one of the biggest fruits that I've seen over and over again of somebody who's entering later ages and stages of his life that is still walking with the Lord passionately, can I just tell you one of the most profound things I see is humility. Humility. Pastor Jim, who's pastored, who's learned and taught more than I'll ever probably know in my short little life, I've known in my short little life, he's, he's been so humble to serve behind the scenes. I came up to him this past Sunday and I said, Pastor Jim, thank you so much. Thank you so much for what you've done and how you were instrumental in bringing this together. This is part of your legacy. And he just looked at me because I didn't do anything. Didn't do anything. But he's, I'm so glad at what God is doing. I don't know why, I just, I, that wasn't intentional, that wasn't actually in my notes to do all that, but I just felt compelled to share from my heart what a joy it is to have family members at different places and stages along the walk. Somebody like a Pastor Jim, who has, has seen much of life, who can lead us and show us and guide us what humility and what growth looks like. So, what a joy it is to be, have a church that has people from all stages and all walks and all experiences together that we can learn from and grow and edify each other. Amen? Amen. Amen. This morning, we're the second to last sermon in our series through the book of Galatians. And I hope you enjoyed our time in this epistle. Last week, Pastor Danny spoke about faith and how it leads to freedom. How we're set free by the gospel. Today, we're going to look at what does that mean for us now to live as free people? What do we do with our freedom? You see, that's our truth. As Christians, our reality is no longer are we enslaved to sin and the law because we've been set free from that. We're no longer enslaved to sin. We're no longer enslaved to the law. But now that we're set free from that, we have a choice. Now that we're set free, we're not free to live, but how will we live? How will we choose to live now in the freedom that's been given to us? What we do with the freedom that's been given to us is a question that I want us to really dive into this morning. Now please, my people, understand me clearly. I don't want you to hear a legalistic message that has been contrary to what Paul has been saying this whole time in the book of Galatians. How you live is not our way of earning salvation, but it is a product of the work God has started in us. Living in freedom is the end product of all that Paul is talking about here in the book of Galatians. Paul is saying, you've been set free not because of your works. You've been set free not because of your own good deed or anything you've done or earned. Not because of your, your traditions or your culture or your ability to keep the law. But you've been set free by the gospel. You've been set free by the work of Jesus Christ. There's no more circumcision. It's not tradition that sets you free. It's not even good deeds that set you free. But now that you're free... What will you do with your freedom? Now that you're free, how will you live? Verse 13 says this, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another in humble love, humbly in love. 
It's like you've been given two choices here, two pathways, two branches. It says you've been set free. You're not just free, you're free to live, but you have choice in your freedom. Do you indulge in flesh or do you serve one another humbly in love? Those are your two choices, your two pathways presented before you. Do you indulge your flesh? Do you do whatever the flesh desires? Do you go back into slavery that was once yours when you were entrapped to the flesh when all you could do was serve the flesh? Or do you serve God? Do you love people? Do you serve people? Do you do it humbly in love? And now those are the two choices that are presented before you. These are the two paths that you could walk in. Do you walk by the spirit or do you walk by the gratifications of the flesh? Imagine these are contrary things. These are two different things. These are things that do not coexist, cannot coexist, do not go together. These are separate paths, separate choices, and ways to live your life. Are you led by the Spirit, or are you led by the flesh? Now, what is implicit here is this idea that you will serve a master. You will serve a God. But it's your choice. Is your God your body and your flesh and its indulgences and its desires, or is it your creator, the one who sets you free? So let's look at what it means to be led and to be indulging in the flesh. And guys, I want you to understand that indulging the flesh, contrary to belonging to the spirit, literally is going back to the entrapment that was already ours. You see, prior to Christ's salvation working in your life, that's who we were. We were people who were enslaved to sin. We were enslaved to the flesh. Guys, I want you to understand this. Prior to Jesus, we were slaves to the lust of the flesh. That's all we knew. That's all we could do. Romans 6.16 says this. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are the slaves of the one you obey? Whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. I'm going to repeat that one more time. Romans 6, 16. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one you obey? Whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. In verse 19, it says, the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. Guys, these are a list of vices, of sins, but it's really more a list of giving in to selfish desires. It's a list of things that are contrary to what it means to live by the Spirit. These are signs of what's really just happening in a person's own heart. And what's happening is we're giving into the trap of slavery that we were already in. In other words, we were only able to live for ourselves, for our own gratification. That doesn't ever truly satisfy. What I mean by this is before you were set free from Christ, all that you were capable of doing was living for yourself. That's all you knew to do. That's all our flesh was able to reach. We were able to say, what does my flesh desire? What does my flesh desire? We didn't have a capacity to know anything more. And there's a reason that people pursue sex, drink, money, esteem, and power. Because there's something inside of us that yearns, that longs for satisfaction. I always said this, and I've said it a million times. If you're at Waypoint Church, if you're here, if you play Waypoint Bingo, you look at the phrases that Lauren says all the time. This is one of those phrases here. But I always say there's something inside of us, the human condition that exists, that says that we want to be known, and we want to be loved, and we crave purpose. And so we have this yearning, this human condition, that this, this desire to, to find purpose and to be known and to be loved. So we search and we search for fulfillment. And we try it out in all the indulgences of the flesh that exists out there. And it doesn't satisfy. 
this will date me, and some of you guys are probably going to be like, who's that? But I remember when I was in eighth, ninth, tenth grade, I don't remember what grade I was exactly, but I remember when this event happened, and I remember being rocked by it. There was a singer named Kurt Cobain, and he was a lead singer of a group called Nirvana. Now, any of you guys know who I'm talking about? I just want to make sure you see who's, who knows, who's really young in this place. I think I was like eighth, ninth, tenth grade. I don't remember what grade I was in, but something along those lines. Like, yeah. Yeah, something like that. I remember very clearly when it happened, though. I don't remember exactly what grade I was in, but I remember very clearly being struck by it. I mean, Nirvana was on top of the world. The Unplugged album, man, that was crazy good on MTV. That was so good. I mean, Nirvana was, it was, they were on top of the world, and Kurt Cobain was on top of the world. He had what he wanted his whole life. He wanted to, to make music and to get paid to make music. He wanted to be famous, and that's what he was doing. All his dreams came true. He was making music. He was getting paid to make music. He was singing songs, and he was incredible at it. The world was loving him and esteeming him, and it seemed like that's all he wanted he had. But it wasn't enough. Kurt Cobain ended his own life, um, and I remember receiving the news of hearing about that. I remember just being floored by that. A, a celebrity, a rock star that had everything. Why would he take his own life? And I remember being a, a teenage boy thinking, what in the world? How could that possibly? You had everything. How did you, what? What's going on? That doesn't satisfy you? And I remember that starting a longing in my own heart, being like, whoa, that doesn't work? I thought that would work. Getting everything that I've always wanted, I thought that would work. But it wasn't enough. We do everything we want. We, we search and we search, we indulge, and we think maybe we had enough esteem, or maybe we had enough respect, or maybe we had enough indulgences of the flesh. Maybe we, if we drank enough or, or did this enough or we received this enough, we do everything. We have enough money, enough power, enough whatever it may be. Whatever, maybe it's that thing that you lacked when you were younger. Your parents had no money, so you think, if I just had money, then I'll be happy. Or maybe you're disrespected, so you just think, if I have respect, then I'll be happy. Whatever it is, we search and we search for satisfaction, but it's never been enough. We think if people love us enough, if we have enough satisfaction in the flesh, we have enough money, if we have enough power, maybe we'll be known, maybe we'll be seen, maybe we'll be loved. So we search and search and we strive and strive, we indulge and we indulge, and it doesn't work. It's never enough, it doesn't fully satisfy. If it did, then this country of all countries, the richest one in the world that has all these issues solved would not be the one that leads the world in its fight of depression and anxiety and suicide. It's not enough. C.S. Lewis has this quote, if I find in myself desires which nothing in this world can satisfy, the only logical explanation is that I was made for another world. If I find in myself desires which I've searched, I've searched everywhere in esteem and in power and in money and in pleasures and in experiences and whatever it is that just, it satisfies for a second but it's just not lasting, it's not fully satisfying, that maybe I'm not made for this world. It's a logical conclusion that C.S. Lewis reaches. And so we search, we search, we're indulgent, we, we find, look for meaning and for our purpose and our desires and, and nothing works. Nothing satisfies. Maybe I'm not made for this world. You see, the reality is what God set us free from, our bondage and our slavery of indulgement of the flesh, because that's all we need to do. We, we searched only for our fleshly desires, because that's all we need to have. We were enslaved to it. And before Christ, and before becoming a Christian, and before knowing the gospel, we're trapped. We give in to our flesh and desires, because that's all we know. And we hope and pray that it leads to satisfaction, but it leads to yearning, but we're incomplete. 
But praise be to God that in his goodness, he gives us the truth of the gospel. His son takes on sin and wrath and he puts it upon himself and we can actually now be known fully. We can be loved completely and justice and mercy can coexist perfectly. And even us, the greatest of sinners who pursued all and indulged all the flesh has to be offered can be redeemed, can be saved, and can be set free. The reality is I don't know where you are today in your journey. Some of you might be sitting here and you're thinking, Listen, I'm, I'm, I'm still enjoying trying all there is to try in the flesh. I'm still going to try to get mine. And I'm looking for it. I'm trying to find it, and I'm going to search. I'm going to search in all these different areas. Maybe you're sitting here today, and you've done searching. you tried it all. You've tried every vice there is to try, and you've, searched, you've tried every relationship. You've gotten power, and you've gotten the money, and it's not satisfying. Over and over again, you can search in anywhere else. Can I tell you? I can confidently, with everything inside of me, I can confidently say this, that the money, the esteem, the power, and the American dream will never be enough for you. And the reason I can say that with all confidence in my heart is because I truly believe that you are made for more. You are made for the divine. You are made for relationship and intimacy with the creator God who knows you and loves you and calls you to incredible purpose. And if I believe that to be true, then I know that nothing else will satisfy you. Nothing else will satisfy you. And what you're doing, it says you're being enslaved to the flesh. But you can be set free today. That walking in freedom, serving God, loving him, sets you free from the flesh. That you no longer have to be bound by this. And they drive to be known and loved because then you already know you are. There's a difference that comes from resting in the fact that you're loved. Let me tell you something, guys. This is just truth. Right? I can rest so comfortably knowing that my wife, for some strange and crazy reason, she loves me and she's not leaving me. I don't know why, but I, I thank God for that. But she does. Do you know the confidence that that gives me? It produces confidence in me that this amazing reason for some strange, amazing woman for some strange reason knows me and still actually chooses to love me and she's not leaving me. I'm not here trying to earn her love. Instead, I can be set free to love her well because of how much I know she loves me. I'm not bound by this weird need that I have to try to keep her, but now instead I can be free to fully love her. That does something different to me. It sets me free. Can I tell you something at a much bigger, humongous, cosmic, and more intimate level that if you know Jesus today... That you can be set free from the entrapments and slavery of the flesh and the need of that yearning that you have to love well. You are made for God. You are made for more. You're made for a type of love that isn't fickle, isn't here today, gone tomorrow. You're made for a type of love that doesn't need a mask to hide who you are. You're made for the purpose that's more than making money and living the American dream. You're made for more. And maybe you're sitting here and you're thinking, Lawrence, I've indulged in the flesh too much. I'm fully enslaved. I'm fully trapped. I, there's no reaching me. I've done everything there is to do. Trust me, God doesn't want any piece of me. And maybe you're sitting here today and you think, Lawrence, I like this stuff. 
I like indulging the flesh. It's good. It's comfortable. It might not be lasting. And yes, you might, I might still be yearning, but this is all I know. And this is all that's comfortable for me. And I'm scared for anything else. And I'm scared that if I try to reach for God, he is not reachable. I understand your fear. But I want you to understand this. That the truth of the gospel message over and over again has been that God is pursuing you. That you've done nothing to earn him. So that no matter how far you think you've gone away from him, he has been pursuing you evermore. And you might be sitting here and you're thinking, Lawrence, I've done it all. God knows you and loves you. Do you hear me? The opposite of seeking our flesh, the opposite of walking in our flesh, what we're free now to do is if you're known that you're loved, know that you're, you're known and you're, you have purpose, if you believe this, then now you're free to live differently. You're free to not to give in to the whims and the, the urgings of the flesh. Now you can give in to something different. You can be free to now serve and love God the way he's called you to do it. Isn't that incredible? Are you sticking to what you were? Or are you choosing a new life in the spirit of God? And it's a beautiful choice. It's a beautiful option. Guys, it literally, I want you to understand this. Well, I want you to understand that it doesn't mean that there's a cookie cut, cutter version of what that means, right? If you're choosing to walk in the spirit, if you're choosing to not indulge the flesh, it doesn't mean that you look like Billy Graham. Does it make sense? Do you guys hear what I'm saying? It doesn't mean like, oh, I guess I have to do what everything Billy Graham did. That's not what it means. It doesn't mean you have to do everything Lawrence does. Do you hear what I'm saying? Walking by the Spirit, sometimes we have this kind of Western Christian idea that you know, a Christian needs to look like this. You know, um, I used to joke, uh, please forgive me if I shouldn't, I don't know if I should say this, I probably shouldn't, but I'm going to say it anyway. I used to joke, I can tell like kind of what church a person's from. You know, by the way they dress and they walk in here if I meet them somewhere. I'm like, oh, you go to that church? I'm not going to say any churches, you know, I'm smart like that. Yeah, just by the way you're dressed. Right, or the way you look. There's a certain look that like certain churches has, or maybe denominations. Or certain, you know what I'm saying? You guys know what I'm talking about? You kind of, they create cookie-cutter versions of themselves and think, that's what it means to be a Christian. Here's good fruit. This is what it looks like. But can I tell you, that's not what it is. Right? Walking in spirit, walking in step with God, being free to serve him and to love him, love him doesn't always look the same for every single person. Can I tell you that? Sometimes we come in and we think this big, we go in and we find a person who might have kind of helped us walk and come to know Jesus. I'll take this, all these, I'll mess with the campus outreach people because I love them so much. Campus outreach is a little notorious for this, right? They're a little campus ministry and I love them so much and they, they disciple people well, they love people well, they get people, they share the Lord with people. But sometimes they, they start acting like each other, right? Am I right, you know what I'm saying? You campus outreach people, they start saying the same phrases, you know, they start saying the same words. They, they all watch the same movies and laugh at like the same jokes. You guys know what I'm talking about. They kind of create little images of themselves, right? Guys, that is not what I'm talking about. Walking by and living in the spirit could be something totally different for you and then for me. Some of us walk in and think we're going to live by God, walk by the spirit. We think we're going to do big things. We have this big ambition. We're like, I'm going to do big things for God. That's great. That's what God's calling you to do. But can you define big by your words, your thoughts versus what God has for you? There was a lady I used to know back in my old church when I was in Gainesville, Florida, not Gainesville, Orlando, Florida, when I was in seminary. Her name was Betty. And I, I always, if I wrote a book one day, I, always, I wanted to write a book and have a chapter called The Faith of Betty. Betty was 92 years old when I got to know her in, in Orlando, and she was, she was in charge of our joy group. 
right? The joy group means, it's our senior citizens ministry, and joy stood for just older youth, J-O-Y, just older youth. And so somehow, it was a little tiny church, so I was in charge of the children's, the youth ministry, and the senior citizens ministry. That's why I was on staff for over all of it. And so I'm working with Joy, or Betty, on the Joy group. And Betty was incredible. She was faithful. We played games. The Joy group went on trips. We had a great time. But she was also in charge of our homeless ministry. So I said Orlando, Florida, but really this church was in Sanford, Florida. And we had a, 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 a large homeless population. And so Betty, for 30 years, she started when she was 62. She retired at 62 years old. And for 30 years, she faithfully served in the homeless ministry at this church. And she, every week, she'd put together gift bags. You know, they, maybe a little tract, a little, a little New Testament, uh, some wipes, maybe some Kleenex, some shampoo, some soap, toothbrush, maybe a gift certificate to McDonald's or Target or something. And she put these bags together faithfully. 30 years, she didn't miss. Every week, she'd put these bags together. So one day, Betty and I would put these bags together and I looked at Betty and I said, Betty, wow, look at you. I mean, you've been doing this faithfully. How do you, how do you just keep on doing this? Like, don't you, like, aren't you tired or aren't you frustrated that more people are doing this with you? We don't have more volunteers or whatever it may be. I just loved it. Betty just looked at me and she goes, oh, I don't care what other people do. She just said flat out, I don't care what other people do. This is what I'm called to do. I was like, you're so much cooler than me, Betty. <laughs> so much cooler than me. I don't care what other people do. God has different things for them, maybe. Me, I'm going to do this. This is what God's called me to do. Waypoint Church, walking by the Spirit doesn't always look the same for everybody. We're not trying to create cookie-cutter images of me or... Tim Keller or anybody else that we're trying to look up to. These are great people to look up to you, but we're calling you to walk by the Spirit. What is God calling you to do? You're free to now do that. Do you see that? See, before you weren't free to do that, before you were entrapped, because you needed to be known, you needed to be loved, you needed to have purpose. So you're trapped, you have this yearning inside of you, you just give into the flesh and just do whatever the flesh thinks, hopefully you'll satisfy. You give into the psyche, to your esteem, thinking maybe this will satisfy. And you look and you look and you look and you're entrapped. And you're like, this is what entrapped, this is what slavery is. You try to obey the whims of the flesh, but you get nowhere. But you've been set free. Because of the work of Jesus Christ, you've been set free. Now will you walk in that freedom? Will you do what you're called to do? Will you love and to serve people well? I love the fruits of the Spirit that lists here. Aren't they beautiful? Love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. All those beautiful words. And I love that they're called fruit of the Spirit. Fruit is something that is born out of you. It is a product that comes forth. That's something that you generate. It's not something that you, you don't take an apple and staple it to a tree. Right? That would, yeah, that's just, that's not what happens. It's born out of the goodness of the root structure, diving in, receiving the nutrients, the, the growth of a good God working through science to, to, to bring forth life and something tasty that is good to eat and refreshing. 
Guys, I want you to understand, this is not a legalistic list of things that you need to do to accomplish. This is a result of living and walking free in the spirit. This is not a you better be kind, you better be patient, you better be all this other stuff. No, this is, this is what God produces in you through the spirit. Hey guys, what this is evident of is if, if you don't see this fruit, I venture to say that the spirit is not moving. Does that make sense? People used to, I used to, back in the day, there used to be this kind of movement that used to kind of go around, is the spirit moving in your church? Right, is the Holy Spirit evident? Is the Holy Spirit moving in your church, right? We pray, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here, right? And how people would define that would be like, are there miracles happening? Or are people like excited? Are they dancing, you know? Or are they raising their hands? Or are they moving around? That's how defined, can I tell you, the Bible defines how the spirit is moving, how you can know the spirit is moving, is through this. Do you guys hear me? Is that a little bit, oh, I'm just wondering if it is or not. This is how you know the spirit is moving. Not by how much you dance, not by how excitable you get, which I get excitable anyway, I'm just saying, but I also get excited at football games. So that's not how I define being, the spirit is moving. The spirit is moving if we see this happening in our church. The spirit is moving when you see this happening in our lives. So can I be honest, can I just ask that question to you guys, just to, just to, not a judgmental way, but just to say, guys, are we seeing love being born in joy and peace, forbearance and kindness and goodness and faithfulness, gentleness and self-control? Can I make an honest statement? Honest statement. I'm afraid of how many churches are not showing these things. And how many people who proclaim the name of Jesus not walking in these ways? Does that make sense? My beloved people, this is what the church should be showing beyond anything else. And can I say something too? And I could be biased, but I'm gonna say it. I wanna thank you that I do see these things here. I do. I see you bearing with one another. I see you being gentle and kind. I see you being patient. I see you showing self-control and goodness and faithfulness. And it warms my heart. It makes me so happy to see. Because that means the spirit is moving amongst us. But can I say this? I want to see a lot more. Because I can't get enough of the spirit. I want to see the Holy Spirit move more so in our midst. So thank you in your freedom. You are choosing to serve God and to walk in his way and fruits of the spirit are being born. I'm gonna share with you guys a little bit about a friend of mine. Um, I met this friend uh, in North Raleigh when I was serving at a church in North Raleigh. And when we talk about the stereotypical giving into the indulgences of the flesh, living for self, I feel like he probably kinda, he was like the ultimate extreme version of this. You know what I'm saying? Like he's one of those guys that like, he played blackjack with Jay-Z. You know, he, he was a guy who was out eating and hanging out with like famous chefs and celebrities, you know? He was that guy. He owned nightclubs and bars and I, I joke about this, like we kind of have similar personalities, you know, like, but I always joke that he's me on like steroids and Red Bull. You know, like extreme, extreme, he was crazy guy. And he walked a different road than I did, but he um, kind of really gave in to the gratification of the flesh. He, he was never satisfied though. I remember sitting with this friend years later. We were at a middle school mission trip in Tennessee where he was one of my key leaders and volunteers. We were dirty, we were tired, we were smelly, 
try to bring around middle schoolers. I asked him, would you have thought you would be here? We were just sitting there, just tired, exhausted. And I just, just looked at him, like, would you ever thought back in the day when you were doing all that you were doing, would you ever think you'd be here on a middle school mission trip in Tennessee, surrounded by a bunch of smelly middle schoolers on a hot night? Would you ever imagine that? He said no. But then he looked at me and said, but there's nowhere else I'd rather be. Walking in the will of the Lord has been the most satisfying experience I've ever had. I would, I would trade everything that I've ever done to be here at the middle schoolers. I want you to know that freedom isn't just giving in to doing whatever you feel like doing. Freedom is being able to do what is most satisfying to you will lead to your most satisfaction. Being made to do what you are called and made to do. Waypoint Church, be set free to serve the Lord, to serve others, to love others, because that's what you are made to do. That's what brings the most satisfaction, because it comes from a place of being known and being loved and having purpose. Christ has set you free. You are free indeed. How will you choose to live? Will you indulge the flesh? Will you go back to the ways of slavery? Or do you serve and love one another in love? The one you have purpose in, the one who gives you confidence to live another day, will you serve him? As for me, I pray, as for this church and my family, I pray we choose to serve the Lord. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your mercy. God, that you set us free. We are free indeed. Free to live for you. Free to serve you. Free to love others well because you first loved us so powerfully. May we be reminded of that kind of love. Because that kind of love changes everything. To be known like that, to be loved like that changes everything. So may we remind ourselves of that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. One of the ways that we remember that kind of love that changes everything. One of the ways that we honor the one who's given us that kind of love. The one of the ways that we receive a blessing and bestowing of grace of that kind of love is by taking communion together as a family. And I'll say this again, this is a family meal. This is a time for us as a family to unite our hearts together, to receive from the Lord this means of grace, to remind ourselves of the love that changes everything. For the work of Jesus Christ upon the cross, where his body was broken for you. And as we take this bread, as we break it, we break it acknowledging that it is in his brokenness that we see justice and mercy meeting powerfully. And it's his life of love that fulfilled all the commands of the law so that we will no longer have to be under the law. And as we partake of the drink, we see it as the blood of the new covenant shed for us. Blood that was poured out that made us white as snow, given freely out of the love of a mighty God. So when we take communion together, we take it as a family meal saying, God, we receive your blessing. We receive this meal that you are our sustenance and we remind ourselves of the love that transforms us. We remind ourselves of the relationship that we were called to be in and the love that we can say, I don't know why. 
I can't fully explain why God chose to love me, but he does. I can't tell you why, but his love changes me. I can't fully tell you why he chose me of all people and sinners, but I receive this love. So this table is open to those who receive the love of Jesus to once again be reminded and steer their hearts to him as a family meal. So I invite the, the servers to come forward, and as they do so, I want to walk over a few instructions on how to partake of communion here. If this is your first time, we take it by intention. So you'll be given the bread, and you'll dip it into the cup, and we ask for people on this row to come down this aisle, this row to come down this aisle, and go to their respective stations. We have stations one, two, three, and four all along here, and then we also have um, stations over there if you want to not be... Rest- um, if you want to be kind of more conscious of safety reasons or something on there, there's some stations over there where you can take it by yourself. But the invitation is for you to come and receive the bread and the wine. To receive this means of grace as a family meal together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for the body and the blood. Body that was broken and the blood that was spilled. God, we thank you for the freedom that it purchased. May we walk in that freedom. May we choose to serve you and to serve others. Remind us of your goodness. Cleanse us of our sins. In Jesus' name, amen.